0: Welcome everyone once again to the George Sanders Show. This week we're going to be talking about two films, uh, Raul Ruiz's 1983 film Three Crowns of the Sailor, and I couldn't really figure out, Sean you suggested both of these movies c- to kind of play together, I couldn't figure out how Three Crowns of the Sailor ties in with How High, uh, the 2001 uh, Method Man, Red Man movie, but uh, that's the other movie we're going to be talking about this week. Um, oh no!
1: Oh no, Mike, you watched the wrong movie.
0: I did? Yeah. <laughs> what movie should I have
1: watched? We're, we're talking about Hauha the Vigo Mortensen film by Alessandro Alonso.
0: <laughs> you sure Method Man wasn't in that?
1: Maybe we should pause this and come <laughs> back in an hour and a half.
0: <laughs> I'll get to it. How about, how about we'll take a break after our little intro. Uh, we'll play a clip from the movie and then I'll watch the movie in, in between.
1: That, that sounds sense? like a good idea.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh no, we're talking about how We're talking about Three Crowns of the Sailor South of the Border this week, uh, on the George Sanders show. Um, and then inexplicably, and this is not Mike making a mistake, our person of the week is Harrison Ford for some strange reason. Um, and we're also gonna pick our essential weird western, um, uh, because how ha is is kind of weird. Uh as is How High, I'm sure, even though I, I've actually not seen that film. Um, so, yeah. Also, got a- How
1: High, surprisingly a Western.
0: Yeah. Who knew? And you know what else I noticed when we were trying to find a person, uh, uh, you know, a person of the week? Hmm. Uh, today, the day we record this, it's Red Man's birthday. Well, so, well, happy birthday to Red Man. Yeah,
1: maybe uh, he should be our person of the week. <laughs>
0: I know less about Red Man than I do Vigo Mortensen and we nixed Vigo Mortensen, so mm. there you go. But uh we'll also do what's Mike watching um and listen to some Os Mutantes, uh, because that's the closest we could get to um you know Brazil was as close as we could get to the, you know countries of the films that we're watching today. So I have um, no idea what that is. You do not know what brazil is I know what
1: Brazil is? I d I know what Brazil is. I don't know what, what uh what Os Mutantes is.
0: Oh. It's a band. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> off to a great start here, I'll tell you that much. Oh. Uh, we're going to hear a clip now from uh ha, which is uh, premiering uh, throughout the country, I think, around this time. Uh, it's opening in Seattle today as we speak. So here's a clip. It's going to be in Danish and Spanish. Deal with it.
1: That's probably just going to be the trailer. If I can okay. find a trailer,
0: I don't know what the trailer is. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Oh, here's a trailer. Let me see.
2: You be here. I have a little problem with my and their soldiers. in the desert,
1: invisible.
2: Oh, fan <tose> la frontera con el desierto uno es un solitario, es una vida extraña. La de construir un país, una familia.
1: All right, so is uh came out last year is by Argentine director Lisandro Alonso, and it stars uh, Viggo Mortensen, who plays a Danish engineer who's attached to the Argentine military in the 19th century in Patagonia. And for some reason, he has brought his uh, very pretty 15-year-old daughter out to the wilderness with him. And surprisingly enough, she runs away with a handsome young soldier. Uh, Vigo then sets out alone across the desert in search of her despite the fact that there's a uh, a rogue bandit uh, a soldier who's gone native on the loose and all kinds of uh, weird things begin to happen to to Vigo and then all then uh spoilery things happened that we're probably going to have to talk about in order to talk about this this movie in any kind of detail so if that is a concern of yours, maybe you don't want to listen to this.
0: Yeah, skip forward the, uh, you know...
1: Until you hear minutes. until you hear Os Mutantes.
0: There you go, yeah. So um, you hear the groovy licks of Os Mutantes. But uh, if, if
1: you don't care about spoilers, and if you've seen the movie, then by all means, continue to listen.
0: No, <laughs> even then, you probably want to skip it, because we've, we've tried to talk about it, and we had to cut and start over again, and uh, it's just all going to be a train wreck but uh no yeah so yeah it's a it's a very unique film uh it's got its own it it um there's definitely reference points at least for me watching it um it, it goes from one type of movie into another type of movie um in particular a couple of specific titles of movies um on its journey um on its on its long strange trip that it does and um yeah, it's, very, it's a very effective movie, and uh, there, there are sequences in it that I think are, are um, really fantastic. And I think Viggo Mortensen's presence, you know, a lot of the movie is just him uh, alone on a horse, you know, silently going across, you know, this kind of uh, unforgiving terrain. And, uh, he, you know, he, he's, he's a magnetic presence. Uh, he, with his handlebar mustache, he, he looks a lot like um, Steve Zahn um the whole movie has like is he going for this look um
1: yeah i don't really see that
0: no trust me it's there it's (laughs) there um and vigo mortensen also um we should say uh he he was heavily involved with this film beyond just being the the star he uh um produced it and also uh scored the music which you probably heard a little bit in the um trailer that we played beforehand um and then the music what was interesting about the movie is the first music cue doesn't pop up for like an hour yeah
1: there's there. only there's only I think one music cue in the whole movie I
0: think, yeah, I think there are two, but yeah is there another
1: uh, one? Yeah, the I think it's the
0: same song, but yeah there's okay. yeah there's music in the in the main narrative part, and then in the kind of epilogue, uh, there's music there too
1: yeah the the sound design is one of the the really distinctive and important things about the film, and I don't know if you want to talk about that right now or.
0: Yeah, let's okay.
1: do it. Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, I I really love it, and and uh, and like with you, a lot of other movies come to mind in in watching this. Um, you know, I'm sitting there and think, oh, that's like this movie, and that's like this movie. And and the sound design here reminded me a lot of uh, of Meeks cutoff Off, mm. in uh, the kind of uh, in how important it is to to creating the environment, like every every scene is just filled with with sounds, most of most of which are coming from off screen, like animal noises, you know, crickets chirping, uh, birds, uh, walruses, um, screaming, yeah, the, you know, screaming from off screen characters, and uh, that kind of that kind of off screen space is important visually as well because the the frame is is very unique, it's a very square. Uh, image with rounded corners it looks like a slide projector slide um
0: well you referenced meek's cutoff which also was a shot in a um you in, know in uh, is a one three three format yeah
1: or is it 166 uh, i don't remember
0: i think i mean i think meek's is is 133 but yeah okay
1: um yeah uh and and what that means is is uh is there's all the space that you're used to seeing in in a western like westerns are are out in the open and landscapes and people like to use like wide screen images for those but it, but that's chopped down and that's emphasized by the fact that in every shot uh sounds are coming from from the the space that we don't see and also the characters are either walking into uh out of the frame they're walking out of the frame or into the frame or they're looking at something that's out of the frame there there are so many shots of people just looking at something that we can't see either to the left or the right or or into the screen and it it creates this kind of 360 degree world that's really an immersive environment and and given the film's slow pace it it makes it seem really realistic which uh which I think is is like really essential to to the film's progression as it gets weirder and weirder as it goes along. That that grounding in reality uh, makes that weirdness all the more effective.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because um, once once the weird stuff starts happening, you start to question yourself while you're watching it. Um, yeah. Well, it's, because...
1: it, it seems it seems really gradual. Like it just kind of sneaks up on you. It's like, wait a minute, how did we get from you know long speeches about uh you know the the uh whether this guy has gone native or not and and why he hasn't that are taking place in like three different languages that that are mutually incomprehensible uh to you know a a, a woman and a dog living in a cave in the mm-hmm. middle in the, in the middle of the desert
0: yeah my two touchstones uh In the movie, where the the middle sequence, um, obviously where he's where he's setting off in search of his daughter, um, reminds me of the Searchers, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and and is a very interesting kind of uh, update and counterpoint, and you know, kind of riffing on that whole, um, you know, the the kind of Paramount Western um, as it were. Um, and I really liked, I really responded to to that section of the movie. And then once it gets to the woman in the cave, um, which I like, uh, but, uh, it, it, it it kind of transitions from, um, the searchers into shutter Island, (laughs) which was kind of surprising to me. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and then it has, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll spoil the spoils in, in just a minute here, but, um, uh, yeah, the, the movie d- takes a, a real left turn. Um, and I, I, you know, it's effective. Um, but I was, I was really, I was really chewing on the, that, that kind of middle part. And, um, I, I couldn't follow it completely to its conclusion. I, I, I was, I was kind of, um, it, it kind of left me by the side of the road at, at a point. Um, cause I, I, I was still kind of invested in that previous section um, as it were. I, I don't think the end is as strong um, as the middle, but um, that's, that might just be me.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: uh, other, other touchstones for me, in addition to to the searchers and, and Meeks cutoff off um, uh, Aguirre, the wrath of God, the the Werner mm-hmm. Herzog film, which is also about a, a guy who, who goes off on a quest in the South American jungle and ends up alone with Monkeys in in Aguirre's case, but but alone, uh, and uh, and specifically the way um, that that's kind of a, a, a metaphor, if you will, of uh, of imperialism, which is uh, I think an important uh, uh, you know sub subject of of Hauha is that this is all this is all going on during the the conquest of of, of patagonia when the the argentine military is basically out there uh, exterminating all of the indians that they can find in this big uh, territorial land grab uh not unlike all you know all manner of of wars that were fought in in the united states uh in the same time period um this kind of uh, uh, single-minded uh, futility of the the lone white man wandering into the the wilderness and getting enveloped by it, uh, I think I think is there in in How ha. Although I don't think it's like the primary subject of the film. I think it's more I, uh, about yeah, that in Nigeria. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think I think How ha is, is is much more about like a father daughter relationship than it is imperialism, but I, I think that, that that is there as well.
0: Well, now, okay, now here's where we get into spoilers, because I absolutely agree with you in terms of uh, really feeling that father-daughter relationship, but how does that kind of uh, overriding theme play into the ending of this movie? Because the ending of this movie, and here we go, spoilers, pause, skip ahead, whatever you need to do, Uh the last 15 minutes or so, uh, it, it cuts abruptly um, to present day. Uh, young woman wakes up in her bed. Um, and
1: the, the same actress as the same actress you know, plays the has, yeah, daughter.
0: Yeah, 300 years prior. But um, yeah, uh, wakes up in her bed, uh, puts on a shirt, goes out sees the dogs uh it's kind of like the wizard of oz moment where like the dog that had a a big wound earlier in the film Mm -hmm. uh is also here um you know so clearly like she dreamt what was going on or you know she it's a jumble of her thoughts and her experiences or whatever um and her is that her dad that she sees at the end or is that who is the relation that she sees at the end of the movie that is not vigo mortensen vigo mortensen's gone
1: the guy, he's just like a caretaker on the property, like taking care of the dogs.
0: So my question is, how?
1: I think how we, does, see, I think actually, we see Vigo in a painting on the wall of her mansion.
0: See, I thought that too, but so, well, so tying in with so he, but as an actor, he's gone. He's he's not yes. in, the, in the scenes uh, at the end of the movie, and she kind of goes off on her own with the dog and goes to the water. Um, how does that play into the father daughter thing? If well because because the whole movie you're kind of seeing it from the father's perspective in the beginning, yes uh, or the I shouldn't even say the beginning the the vast majority of the movie is from Vigo Mortensen's perspective work you know she's um she's off screen most of the time while he goes on this epic journey or whatever, and then we find out at the end it's all from her imagination so to speak
1: well here's 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 one theory I have um uh it's that it's not her dream uh the uh my 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 theory is that the the movie that we see is the dog's dream and Vigo is the dog <laughs> uh-huh
0: uh-huh.
1: Uh, because the 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 caretaker explains that the reason the the dog has the dog has this uh, sore on his shoulder, and it's, it's, the caretaker calls it a hot spot, which is like an irritation that a dog will will just keep itching when something bothers him, or or her, it's a dog, whatever. Uh, and the girl says, "Well, you know what what is bothering the dog? Why, what is the dog worried about?" And and the caretaker says, uh, "He uh, the dog doesn't know, doesn't understand why you leave." For so long
0: yeah okay
1: uh, and uh, i did i don't I did not recall this on seeing it the first time, but knowing the ending and watching this movie again uh, yesterday, uh, the opening shot of the film is of Vigo and his daughter uh sitting on a rock, you know facing opposite directions, you know talking about things, and uh, he asks her what she wants, and she wants somebody to follow her around like a dog. <laughs> and uh, apparently uh I was reading a, a little bit about this and uh that that the end scene of the film was originally the beginning of the film. Mm which which makes it play totally differently i think like it it really it like blows your mind when it comes to the present and like what 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 the hell uh but if you if you put it in the beginning and see it as as this loop that that she's out there with this dog and either she's like you know the dog is dreaming this story or she is imagining you know this this story with vigo as the dog um but it doesn't it doesn't all fit together and i like that it doesn't all fit together in some kind of coherent way because all of that stuff about about imperialism also links into this present like if this girl is the descendant of the characters that we see in the film she's the beneficiary of this this extermination campaign
0: well and right? i mean she and she lives i mean you know we see her she lives in a giant yeah mansion you know or it's it not even like a mansion it's like a castle
1: yeah that that's filled with with all of these relics of the past like like right. you know even if it's not vigo it's it's you know people that are dressed in 19th century dressed in these giant portraits in in this hall and she's you know clearly extraordinarily wealthy she's so rich she doesn't even have to wear pants that's how <laughs> rich she is that's uh, right uh, so you know i think uh I think I think what happens, like if I, if if I want to, you know, I like coherently understand what happens to Vigo. I think he dies at some point on his journey, and his meeting—he meets the dog, who may or may not be him. It may also be be Johnny Cash, in like a variation on the Insanity Pepper episode of The Simpsons, sure. which I also think is a major touchstone for this film. Um,
0: you know, I thought of it too. I yeah. thought of it too. It's true.
1: Yeah, and, and the dog guides him to this this cave, this like this like primally mysterious cave. Like it's just a black slit carved in a rock face. And inside the cave he finds an old woman who is apparently his daughter. It's not you know, like specified, but it's pretty it's obvious. It's
0: clear that it's his daughter. Yeah. I mean, the, so the he's
1: epic. he's entered into some kind of, you know,
0: temporal
1: temporal loop or or something i think he's and and after that he he goes on and he keeps looking like he's found his daughter but he keeps looking and he's just kind of this ghost that is like wandering the desert forever And that's the end of the Vigo story. And when that ends, when we see him wandering through this landscape, and as he's gone on his quest, the landscapes have become increasingly alien. Like they start out, they're kind of like lush scrubland. It's it's you know stuff that's recognizable. There's rivers. There's you know there's other people around. There's trees. And it gets it gets rockier and rockier to to where this final landscape it might as well be the moon. Like it's you know completely unworldly.
0: Yeah. There's a shot of him climbing, uh, up this rock face that, yeah, it looks, uh, it's like, when you know, when speaking of, you know, classic John Ford Westerns or whatever, you know, the searchers or what have you, you know, filming in Monument Valley, finding this terrain that's, that's, uh, nowhere else in the world really, you know? Um, and it it has a, a very similar kind of, uh, I mean, there are different kinds of, uh, textures or whatever, but uh, it's, it's very, very odd looking. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Have you seen
0: any other Lissandro Alonso films?
1: uh, Before, before I went to Vancouver, I knew I had like a list of movies that were, that were playing there and that I wanted to see that were by people um, whose name I had heard, but whose movies I hadn't seen. And, and Alonso was one of them. So I tried to watch like a few or at least one from each of this, like half dozen directors.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, so I watched uh, uh, this movie, uh, Liverpool, which I think is from 2008, uh, which was, which was very good. And is also about a man uh, searching for his daughter in a way he's mm-hmm. a uh, uh, he's uh, it's, it's set in the present and he's a, a guy who has been working on a, a freighter of some type. He's been he's been away from home from a, for a very long time. He's been at sea and then he comes back to his small village in the middle of nowhere and it takes him forever to get up there and it's all very snowy and nobody seems to remember who he is and he tries to like uh, uh, reconnect with his daughter but n- nobody really has any interest in doing anything with him anymore. And that's and that's pretty much it it's it's much more typically like a a slow cinema kind of film than than Howha, which uh the second time watch watching again a second time, I didn't think it was that slow at all. Like I thought I it was think, actually like think, yeah, really brisk. Yeah, so I
0: I thought it flew by. I really did. I I didn't have any problem with the pacing of this movie.
1: Yeah, that's that's good to know because I, I'm I'm not sure if my sense of that is is off given all the, the Ho Shoshen and and Edward Yang movies I've been watching lately. I, <laughs> Um, and also, you know, and seeing it a second time, I think things move, always move faster the second time you watch them. So sure, absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
0: Except so for how high. high.
1: Except for how, how high,
0: high? How yeah. high? It, it, you know, it's kind of a slog the second time. Thing.
1: Well, that depends on how high you are.
0: <laughs> Incredibly high. Yeah. Uh, well, with that, that's our conversation about how high. We're going to listen to some os mutantes now. So if you just chimed back in perfect timing. Get ready to rock out with some really crazy Tropicalia uh, from 1968. So, here we go.
2: (laughs) Oh,
1: So once again we're we're skipping the news thing because I think we're just gonna like give up on the news. Are we just gonna give up on the news, Mike unless something like I'm pretty really big sure, happens?
0: Yeah, you know it's like Stuart Brand says science is the only news because you know it's just things just go in cycles. It's the same thing over and over and over again, and we only have so many opinions
1: yeah um, we're 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 coming up on on two years doing the show. This is episode fifty eight and I think we've made our position on most of the news <laughs> items, uh, fairly clear.
0: Wait, how do you feel about video stories, Sean?
1: I am in favor of them. <laughs> uh, the Hong Kong Film Awards are coming up this weekend, and The Midnight After is nominated for a bunch of stuff. So that's might be news. Yay, might be. The Midnight After, <laughs> if it wins, that would be news. There you go. Uh, we, we do have uh, the the Seattle Film Festival is coming up. Uh in a couple of weeks, uh, stuff starts. So we're going to start, you know, co- we're going to be covering that like we did well, last year. Hopefully in well, more detail. Hopefully it, we'll be covering that. Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully they, uh, in more detail.
0: <laughs> they may have listened to, the, you know, our, our last show on the Seattle International Film Festival and decided, you know what? These guys aren't getting press passes again. That's no good.
1: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, hopefully... Not. (laughs) Hopefully they haven't listened to or read our work and will will accredit us accredit accredit us this year.
0: Well clearly (laughs) clearly we have a way with words, so surely they want to give us something. Yeah. Uh yeah. But yeah, the whole news cycle thing, you know, I've just I'm done paying attention to it for the most part. Oh, there
1: was there was news. The the can lineup came out and and Hosha the assassin, is finally coming out it's going to play playing at can
0: i would like to say right now the the news item for the for the year is this is the 58th episode of the show that was the most excited you have ever been on this show was that last sentence <laughs> this is it's about been, been my most
1: anticipated film since 2008
0: i understand <laughs> i've been
1: talking about this forever
0: it's it's just odd to hear emotion in your voice and that, I, I applaud that
1: i i understand <laughs>
0: Now he's back to the monitor.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's, it's it's playing a can, which means that maybe it'll play in Vancouver or otherwise we might get to see it in a year.
0: Yeah. No, it's good news.
1: So yeah, that's um, that's news. That's, so that's, yeah, uh uh What have you been watching, Mike?
0: So planting the news, yeah. Uh so what I've been I got I've been catching up with some of those 2014 films I didn't get around to uh, that you know kind of had some some buzz around them uh, that are just recently getting you know released on DVD. Um, so two films I recently watched. Uh, first one I got around to Life Itself, the Ebert documentary, um, which I was a little trepidatious going into because I thought it was going to be you know one it was going to be a tearjerker and two it was going to be you know just kind of this. You know,
2: I don't say glamour.
0: Yeah, I was, I was going to say like a, a glamour film or something, It's it clearly not that. But, uh, but yeah, but uh, Steve James, who did uh, Hoop Dreams, which, you know, one of Ebert's favorite movies or whatever, directed it. Um, and I liked it. What can I say? Um, uh, you know, some of the omissions uh, I thought were pretty interesting. There's there's absolutely no mention or talking head of Richard Roper, which I thought was pretty uh cool. Um and uh, you know, I read Ebert's book, Life Itself, uh, you know, which this is, you know, loosely based on. Obviously, all of the cancer stuff that we see here is, is is later, or most of the cancer stuff is later. Um, but I thought it was a good portrait of, you know, his relationship with uh Chaz and uh, you know, it it had, you know, some great talking heads, you know, your Scorsese's your Herzog, Jonathan Rosenbaum's in there being like king of the dorks, uh which <laughs> is pretty cool. Uh, Did you see that one, Sean? I did. It's fine. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's fine, you know. Um, And then the other one I watched uh, just the other night, uh, which a a lot of people were really, really digging, and I I liked it. Um, I mean, I didn't love it, but uh, Chris Rock's top five, his kind of Mm -hmm. auteur kind of film. Uh, You know, Chris Rock has directed a few movies, but they've been more... uh, Well, he did
1: did one that was the the remake of the, the Eric Romer film.
0: That's true. He did, but but I I don't think it was uh, it it was a little more uh, you know middle brow. I mean, I, you know, um, th- this seems to be or at least it was sold as the the Chris Rock you know passion project. You know, you're going to get more of his personality in this than you would in yeah some...
1: yeah the Romer film was sold the same way. It just failed to be bought by
0: anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Top five. Um, it to me, it really read like um, a corrective for uh, funny people. The Judd Apatow movie that uh, I really, really did not like at all. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it has it deals with a lot of the same themes. It also seems like it's filtered through kind of uh, the rise of Louis C.K.'s kind of uh, devil may care. You know, throw everything that comes into your brain into it and, and see what happens kind of storytelling, which is really interesting. There, there are some surreal moments in top five that I really responded to. Um,
1: well, L- Louis C.K. worked on the, the Chris Rock show.
0: Oh yeah, they're so they're a, great friends. I think yeah, he creative he, connection I think he there. co-wrote the uh Eric Romer movie too, I think. Oh really? Or, yeah, I think so. Okay. Um no, they're great friends. And I and I read something about how Louie, you know, was the one that kind of pushed Rock to to write this or whatever and, and you know gave him advice. But um yeah, top five it starts out really shaky. I don't know. I couldn't tell if it's either trying too hard or not trying enough, but as it went along, I got into the rhythm of it and uh it's it's you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting movie. So if you, if you haven't seen it and you want to see kind of like that, that take on, you know, uh, someone that's kind of sold out and trying to get back to their roots and, and finding out, you know, what really makes them tick. It's, it's an interesting film.
1: Yeah. I, I would like to see that. I've, uh, I've, uh, missed out on pretty much everything that Chris Rock has ever done. <laughs> like I didn't have HBO when his show was on the air. So I, I've never seen an episode of, of that. Uh my my Chris Rock knowledge is from his time on Saturday Night Live.
0: Well, he's a he's not a good actor. Um
1: No, but I always I always really liked him on Saturday Night Live and and he he was never on it enough, which I think he's discussed at length um his issues with that, but but I've I've been interested in his in his films, but I just haven't gotten to watch them.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, this co-stars Rosario Dawson, and that that alone is is enough for me. Uh, she really she has to do a lot of the heavy lifting here because she's paired with Rock, who, like I said, he's he's I think he's very talented, um, and I think this is a good kind of uh, opening gambit if he decides to keep making more movies like this, which you know uh, I think he could. Um, but acting is definitely not his strongest suit, and so she has to kind of carry the weight but the uh, but there's also tons of great cameo appearances and stuff in the movie that um are definitely worth a chuckle or two um so So we move on now yeah our our person of the week
1: is uh is harrison ford
0: unexpectedly
1: yeah (laughs) uh harrison ford i believe made uh, uh one movie in south america
0: uh was that the fugitive
1: no uh that would have been a much different movie if he had actually <laughs> fled the country. Uh, uh, isn't the, is the Mosquito Coast set in South America? Or is that Central America?
0: I don't know. Yeah,
1: Well, there's also the, uh, the opening scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark is in South America.
0: There you go. True. Yeah. True. Uh, uh,
1: he's, he is our Person of the Week. Obviously, um, the number one reason is that we couldn't think of anyone better. And the number two reason is that he uh, had a, a film premiere this week uh, a little short film called uh the trailer for the new star wars movie
0: the second trailer for the new star wars. right <laughs> <laughs> which uh yeah which you know you know i guess this is kind of a to to the music uh you know it's got the jj abrams like i'm gonna avoid showing you as much as i can Mm-hmm. Uh, of of the stuff you're expecting so you know we hear mark hamill speak which by the way i is pretty cool yeah Mark mm-hmm. Hamill's really cool uh we see True. presumably maybe mark
1: hamill should have been our person of the week
0: oh next time next time next episode yeah forget maggie chung we're gonna talk about mark hamill um you know we see the hand of carrie fisher presumably um but yeah, but then it ends with this kind of money shot of uh, a very old Harrison Ford and Chewbacca uh, smiling at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why we're going to talk about him this week. Um, yeah, but um, Harrison Ford. I find that he's an interesting guy.
1: He really is. He he is an odd
0: man. He's an odd duck, you know.
1: Yeah, and he d- he did just he was just in the news recently because he he crashed a plane and is apparently fine.
0: Like on a golf course or something, like a yeah. World War I fighter plane or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is kind of cool.
1: And he's been married to Ally McBeal for like 15 years. Yeah. And he has yep. one earring.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I saw him on the David Blaine Magic Show uh, when I was flying back from Germany, and it was really awkward. Because yeah. he seemed really bewildered and didn't know what was going on. He, that uh, is
1: generally his affect in public. <laughs> he, he seems to really not like being famous. Although he, he seems to really like being rich.
0: He really likes being rich. He's, he's kind of his last... I mean, he's made a couple of plays at Respectability in the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw 42, the uh, Jackie Robinson movie. I can't remember the last time I saw a Harrison Ford in a movie, other
1: than uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Kingdom
0: of the Crystal Skull.
1: i right, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up Harrison Ford here. Do you like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull?
0: I did not like Kingdom of the Crystal. I like. Have you, you, know, have I you
1: watched li- it again?
0: I've not watched it again. I there are moments of K- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that I really like. I love the pre credit sequence with the kids like uh, hot rod racing. I think that's totally awesome. I love the one action sequence that the the one on the college campus. Um, yeah, yeah. It was really good. Yeah, that's but good once stuff. you but the the final third of it is terrible, and I I really don't know if I can get around to seeing it again because I really it lost me in that final third.
1: Yeah, I watched I watched it again a year or two ago and, and my opinion of it improved, although I still don't think it's particularly good. Uh, the last Harrison Ford movie I saw, other not counting um, not not counting Crystal Skull and not counting uh, uh, his cameo in Anchorman two was uh, Sabrina from nineteen ninety five.
0: So back yeah, in the day. Yeah,
1: so that's one film in the last twenty years.
0: That's like pre allie McBeal, y'all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen that much either. You know, I saw, i forty two. Uh, he plays Branch Ricky, um, and he tries to give like a good performance, but he's really trying hard, uh, and it doesn't work, in my opinion. Yeah. Like the rest of that movie. Um, but yeah, but I mean, mostly, like you said, it, it the last twenty years has really been like paycheck uh, cinema for him. You know, he was in like Ender's Game. And, and he's he's really just not been working much at all. Well, that that too. That, yeah. That's yeah. But um.
1: But now, but now he's got he's got the Star Wars prequels. He's got another. There's another Blade Runner movie. There's another Indiana Jones movie. Maybe. So I think, I think Ali's been running through his his fortune. I think he needs to go back <laughs> to work. I think that's what what this is all about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or you know.
1: Or maybe yeah, he's or maybe he's just bored.
0: He might just be bored, uh, but let's talk about let's talk about early Harrison Ford here for a second, because uh, Harrison Ford back in the day, total G like. Wow. Well, yeah. The conversation. He's got a very small small role in the conversation, uh, but he's dope in it. Um, and I don't know if, I don't know why my how high lingo is is getting into my Harrison Ford conversation. <laughs> um, and yeah. then, yeah, I American, mean, graffiti. American Graffiti, yeah. great in American Graffiti. And then, boom, Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Uh, I mean, come on. And, and you know what's so great about them? Han Solo and Indiana Jones, those are really different characters. Like, they're really, you know, they, those are two different performances there.
1: Well, they start as two different characters, but well, by the end of their series, they become basically the same.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm talking about yeah, out the, yeah. out the gates, you know, uh definitely. Yeah. yeah. So
1: and that and that, you know, I think that says something about like the nature of of stardom and and George Lucas, but my my favorite Harrison Ford story is the story of how he got uh the part in in Star Wars, which was that he had given up acting basically. He had been he'd been, you know, working for a long time. He hadn't he hadn't gone anywhere, so he had just given up and was like working as a carpenter. And was like remodeling Francis Ford Coppola's office, and George Lucas was there, like having lunch or something, and just asked him to come and and read as he was auditioning other people.
0: Right, he was kind of the guy that just like traded lines back and forth.
1: Yeah, because you know he, you know they they obviously knew each other. Um, it was like, hey, come hang out and help me, and then they gave him the part, and then he became a superstar. Yep. Uh, and that. Is an off-told story, but I always uh, I think it's hilarious. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, I wonder if if he had just said, nah, "No, I don't want to do that." Right. Get some, get somebody else. Right. <laughs> then who knows? He might be the the handsomest carpenter in Hollywood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, that's going on his tombstone right now. I'll tell you that much. I mean, may he live long. But uh, when he when he does finally, you know. Shed this mortal coil, handsomest carpenter in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: so when when do you think uh, Harrison Ford lost it? Uh,
0: you know, I think it was around that time of that Sabrina. Like, um, okay. I'm am a fan of. I mean, The Fugitive was a couple years earlier than that, and I mean, I haven't seen it since '93. I don't think, but uh, you know, that was a major hit, and, and I and I liked it. Um, I, see, it I never
1: really cared for The Fugitive. I think, huh? I think the last Harrison Ford movie that I really liked was Presumed Innocent. <laughs> have you seen yeah, that one? You
0: know, I, I have. It's, it's really foggy, though. It's and, that, really foggy.
1: and that's a very different performance from him. I think that's when he was, like, trying to win an Oscar because he, right. did, he did that and then regarding Henry.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, that was J.J. Abrams.
1: Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, Presumed Innocent, uh, he's, like, completely charmless through the entire film. Like that thing that Harrison Ford has that makes him, you know, Harrison Ford uh, Mm -hmm. is totally absent from that movie where he's this guy who's uh, who's accused of killing uh, a a fellow attorney, Mm -hmm. and uh, he didn't do it. Maybe, maybe the presumption is that he is innocent. Uh, It's a (laughs) it's it's a really good uh, like legal thriller type movie. The kind that they don't make anymore because they're all television,
0: right? Yeah, you know, I I'm looking at this filmography here. Yeah, it's been ooh, it's been diminishing returns. Man, Cowboys and Aliens. Um, I mean, and I I don't
1: even really like, you know, I didn't really like wit- Working Girl. I didn't really like Witness. Yeah, Frantic. Did you see okay? What
0: Lies Beneath? No. I kind of want to see that
1: Blade Runner. I, I think is really overrated.
0: Yeah. I'm not a big Blade Runner fan myself.
1: So yeah. I mean, I, I would consider Harrison Ford, like one of my favorite movie stars, Mm -hmm. but there's really only like five of his movies that I like.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's a kind of in a concentrated kind of stretch there. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. So sorry, Harrison. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So congratulations on being our person of the week. Yes. You think you're cool, but your movies aren't. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Star Wars, which looks great. we're excited.
0: You know, I do. Re- you know what I really like? I love that opening. Sh- is it the opening shot of that trailer where the star destroyers like crashed into the sands of Tatooine? Yes. That's dope. Yeah. I like it. I really uh, like how many
1: it. times did you watch the trailer?
0: I've watched it like five times now. Yeah. I think. And I'm going. To, so the nice thing, I'm going down to California for Christmas this year. I go like every few years, to see my family, and my older brother. Um, huge Star Wars. I mean, well, our whole family, but like, you know, he was the perfect age because he was born in '68. Uh, okay. So sure. when so you know when Star Wars came out, it was like perfect, uh, and he you know indoctrinated us into Star Wars and all that stuff. And I'm getting, I'm gonna be down there the day the Force Awakens comes out and i'm really excited to go see it with my older brother <laughs> it's it's like one of these you know it it has to happen um and i'm pretty excited about it i uh, hope i don't hate it
1: yeah <laughs> i you know i with with jj J. abrams i i i find it hard to believe that you, you would hate it yeah i mean like worst case it'll just be fine
0: right i don't yeah i don't think it's going to be episode 2 attack of the clones level Awful.
1: No, I know. I think yeah. I think you know, I'm expecting like Mission Impossible three. Yeah. The quality. Or sure. or like the first Star Trek.
0: Sure. Hey, if it's like the first Star Trek, I'll be happy.
1: Yeah, I I yeah. I enjoyed that.
0: Solid movie. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh speaking of weird westerns, like <laughs> Star Wars uh are essential this week, obviously tying in with Howha uh is Weird Westerns. Uh and we both said uh, we we both made the you know proclamation. Uh, we pick a movie that was not Dead Man. Uh, yeah. So
1: because we've we've talked about that movie at length, we did a whole show about it.
0: Yeah, it's it's time for us to. But I'm going to talk about it once more. It's playing at the University Branch Library on May 11th, Monday night at 6 p.m. If you want to go and you're in Seattle, it's free. Anyway, now Sean, what's your essential weird western?
1: Alright, I'm not going to pick Johnny Guitar either because that is also too obvious, I think. Um, So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Devil's Doorway. Are you familiar with this film?
0: I'm not familiar with Devil's Doorway.
1: Uh, It's from 1950. It's directed by Anthony Mann and Robert Taylor plays a uh, an Indian who is a Civil War veteran, a, a war hero, who returns home to his uh his home state somewhere out west, I think Colorado perhaps, Wyoming, uh, and buys some land and sets up a ranch and is basically uh hounded off of his property by a mob of white men led by Vincent Price who uh Cannot stomach the fact that an Indian owns property in America. Sounds good. It is, <laughs> and you know it's not. It's not weird in the way that that dead man or or howha are weird. It's not. It's not psychedelic weird. It's weird in that there's this this film that is this openly uh, pro-Indian and anti-racism coming out of mainstream Hollywood in
0: 1950. Right. No, it is that's yeah, it's rare.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, it's the kind of one. There's lots of of these kind of socially conscious uh, westerns in the in the 1950s and 60s in, in the classic Hollywood era that tend to get ignored for the fact, you know, that they're not wholly 100% uh progressive. I mean this this is a film that is is very pro Indian but it also stars a white actor playing right. an Indian. Right. So, you know,
0: baby steps.
1: Yeah, it's it's the the kind of thing that that really irritates me. It's like when people come uh, say that the the searchers is racist against Indians, which I'm sure <laughs> we we've talked about on the yeah. show before, but is like something that just makes my my eyes pop out
0: of my head i know i i i know i've seen i've seen your eyes pop out of your head yeah so
1: yeah the the other the other one i was thinking of was uh samuel fuller's run of the arrow which uh which is similarly uh pro-indian and uh stars rod steiger in basically the same plot as dances with wolves only it's like really smart and awesome uh so yeah those would be my 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 two picks
0: good good choices um if I was going to pick a good movie yeah. uh for this I would pick and I yeah I also uh, Nick's Johnny Guitar um, cuz it was a little obvious um The Rare Breed with Jimmy Stewart which I I talked about on the show before and I'm not the reason that's the reason I'm not picking it is be- because I have talked about it before but um it's, uh, my pithy way of summing it up is that it's The Searchers but instead of going after Natalie Wood uh, Jim Stewart is going after a cow Uh, It's kind of weird But my pick uh, is Truly weird Um, It's not good Uh, And I'm kind of cheating because I actually haven't Watched the whole thing I tried to watch it a couple months ago And it was really bad and I had to stop Um, And it's not El Topo which I have seen and is also not very good. Uh, We picked the right Yodorowski when we did our our show on Yodorowski. but uh, I'm going with 1938's The Terror of Tiny Town, which is, yeah, the world's only musical Western with an all-dwarf cast. Um, It's a...
1: Wait, wait, I gotta look that up. Wait. Yep, that's the only one.
0: (laughs) Yep, yep. Thank you for for fact-checking me. Uh, So Jed Buell... Uh, was a uh, kind of showbiz, uh, you know, gadabout. Uh, and he had a, a troupe of singing dwarfs and tiny people. Um, and he decided that a good showcase for them would be to star in a Western. And it has all the tropes of a Western. There's, you know, a black-hatted villain uh, and, a, and a good guy in white. Um, and everything is, is pretty much on the level Uh, You would see in like an early, you know, an early Western pre-stage coach Western, uh, except that everybody's a little person. Um, And unfortunately, the cast, they're 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 not the best actors. Um, Some of them were munchkins uh, a year later in in The Wizard of Oz. Uh, You might recognize some of them, but the quality of the movie kind of depends upon its cast. And here it's not so good. Uh, and so, uh, the terror of tiny town. Uh, it's a it's public domain. It's sixty two minutes, uh, of which I could not get through the whole thing. Um, <laughs> so that that kind of tells you what it's all about. But it's truly a weird western. So that's my pick.
1: <laughs> okay, it sounds uh, it sounds like a short film.
0: It's it's, it's a short film. Uh, So with that, we're going to take a uh, a little break here and listen to a clip for our second film this week, uh, Three Crowns of the Sailor, from director Raul Ruiz.
2: Civilization. L'art la même chose. Mais au leur
0: fait peur. All right, that's a clip from Three Crowns of the Sailor, a 1983 film from the prolific director Raoul Ruiz. Uh, it's uh, it's about a, a, a drunken sailor. Uh, recounting, kind of, his life to to a man he meets uh, on you know in a, in a foggy night, and they go to this uh, soiree, this party, this in this very you know gilded mirrored room, and they're sitting there drinking and talking, and he's telling him his story of how he joined this ghost ship, uh, where everybody on the ship, presumably, was dead except for him every every ghost ship needs someone that's alive is 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 the phrase in the movie that i just butchered but it's basically that idea um and he tells of his you know travels with this crew um and the idiosyncrasies of 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 working with ghosts and 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 dead people um and he also recounts his uh relationships that he uh, with people that he meets along his way when he goes into port uh, and he meets you know a woman who uh, has a bunch of creepy dolls in her bedroom mm-hmm. and in a, a mini casket where she places uh chewed gum on it for all of the men that are have been in her life uh and he meets a a, a woman a dancer who uh he tells her that he wants to see her naked. And so she peels off her nipples and, uh, her, her vagina and tells him that she only has one orifice and it is her mouth. Um, and the movie kind of cuts back and forth between these kind of him recounting these, these events and then, uh, talking to this young man who in the end, and here we go, spoiling it again. But, uh, the I don't. I don't man, think he can spoil this one. I know you can't. When I when I spoiled it once, I said pulled her nipples off. So, <laughs> um, uh, at the end of the movie, uh, the young man kills the sailor and then takes his place on the ghost ship. And who does he see once he enters the ship? The man he just killed. So it's a very mystical uh, kind of kind of story um, that is is all about the idea of storytelling uh throughout the movie multiple characters say time and again i've heard this story before um all all of these books on this wall these contain your story writers spend their entire lives writing this story i want to live or something like that uh all of it was catnip to me i thought it was great i, th- I was i was hooked i followed along uh for like I said, when I, when Halha, you know, when it started to get a little weird, I I was longing for it to kind of stay in the confines of its, of of where it had been prior to that, uh, to a degree. Um, here, maybe it's because it's weird from the get go, um, but I I really responded to this movie. I thought it was really uh, awesome, an awesome experience. I think the filmmaking. I think Ruiz's uh, it's it, it's 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 such a um, lush and and just like exquisite visual film like the camera work is is amazing and there there are some shots that i think we can dive into a little bit as we go into this uh that are are so effective and and really kind of staggering and uh yeah this this and, and you know what was interesting about this movie is you know, we were we were trying to to find something to go with Halha huh? and and we were like, well, we'll talk about South America, direct you know, directors from South America and you know, Ruiz, you know, had a huge filmography. Uh, he passed away like three or four years ago. Um but he has like a hundred and thirty-five credits to his name. But what's funny is that we were like, Well, you know, it's kinda tenuous, but but the three crowns of the title, Sean, what are they?
1: They're Danish.
0: They're Danish. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that going in, did we? No. That was kind of weird. Yeah.
1: Well, do you know the that uh the the Viggo Mortensen character was made Danish because Viggo is Danish Argentinian. Again, the original story that the 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 movie was based on, he was uh, an English engineer. Mm. But they made him Danish to fit more closely with with Viggo Mortensen's autobiography.
0: That's interesting.
1: Cuz I, I not a lot of people know this, I think, because he's, he's he's a star in American movies, but Viggo Mortensen is Argentinian. I think he's like dual citizenship.
0: I thought he was... Uh, oh, wait, no, he's not an elf in Lord of the Rings.
1: No, he's he's uh, one of the humans. Yeah. Did you know that he uh, was up for the, the part of the uh, male romantic lead in uh, Sixteen Candles and did I not did, get it?
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah, he did not get it. John Hughes went another direction.
0: He he's he certainly <laughs> did. Although the 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 that version that's playing in my head right now is really fucking awesome.
1: Well, it's much it's much better, I, I would think. And instead, Vigo became a movie star twenty years later. So,
0: yeah. you know, I'm sure it, it all it all it all worked to, out yeah. in the
1: end. Anyway, uh, back back to this back movie. Yes, to the movie yes. At hand Dan- here. Danish crowns. Yeah. So,
0: um, yeah. so, so how did you feel with Three Crowns of the Sailor there, Sean?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I have uh, almost no idea what this movie is about.
0: It's about storytelling.
1: It, it is, sure. Uh, I, I'm not saying that as a complaint. It, <laughs> it, is, it is about so much that it's impossible for me to take in at once. Like, it's, it's the kind of movie that I need to, like, pause every five minutes and, and kind of think about what's going on and then start again. And I did not have time for that. So instead, I just kept falling asleep. Uh, and not because it is boring, but just because I'm really tired all the time.
0: Because you're a horrible person.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I really liked it as well. Uh, I feel like, like. Uh, Ruiz is, is one of those directors that if I had the time to like sit down and like spend a year watching all of his movies, I would be convinced that he is uh, the, the greatest filmmaker of the last 50 years.
0: Uh, yeah. W- watching this, I was like, I got to get on this. Like I, yeah. like, I was like, hook me up, mainline it, put it into my veins. Yeah, uh, I, I, I just I, hook, line and sinker. I I was like, so on board with this.
1: Yeah and this this is the first of his like 20th century films that I've seen. I saw uh uh Time Regained which I think was 1999, might have been 2000. Uh his uh, his Proust adaptation which uh which I thought was really pretty and and really lovely and kind of gave like the sense of proust as i understand him from having read half of the first volume of remembrance of things past
0: like like all of us <laughs> yeah uh
1: but i had i again had no idea what was going on um more recently i've seen uh, mysteries of lisbon and night across the street uh both of which i think are are really really fantastic movies night across the street was one of my favorite movies of uh of 2012 and and same with mysteries of lisbon for for its year but um yeah. He's yeah. he's he's amazing and he's 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 too big for me to comprehend at this point in time.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean he was you know, he worked like steadily from like 1963 until his death in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah it's it's daunting. I mean 119 credits is the actual total there. Um a lot of them are shorts. Um he's got some documentaries and stuff, but yeah. Yeah,
1: but even if you go down like the the ones with like general international critic reputations, there's still like 20 major major films to right. see. And it's it's weird because he's he's one of those directors for whom the the disconnect between his, the the quality of his filmmaking and his public profile is is vast. Like he he is unknown. Like he's not unknown like Eric Romer is unknown to the general public. Like he is unknown. His movies aren't available on DVD for the most part. You just you can't see them.
0: Chris Rock is not remaking one of his movies.
1: No. <laughs> so you know, it's hard. I actually, I read the the New York Times review of uh, Three Crowns of the Sailor from 1984. It played in the, the New York Film Festival, and Janet Maslin panned it. Really? As, as incomprehensible nonsense. No way! For a movie for semiotics majors.
0: <laughs> no. And I think that just goes to show how ahead of its time this movie is, because to me it didn't feel like it was thirty years old watching it first of all yeah um it, i i think i think narratively like i said i I think it all i mean yeah it's it's not a conventional uh story and and weird stuff happens but um like I said, I followed along the whole way with this thing and i and I thought it was very intellectually sound and and rigorous and um I thought that Every every piece of it fit together uh, in in some way. You know, it's not like a there's some grand unifying uh, theory at the end of it or anything like that. But the the kind of it's overstuffed with ideas, um, and that and that's kind of the thing that staggers me with thinking about Ruiz's work beyond this. I'm like, there's so much in this one movie, go, like just thoughts and ideas like going on and bouncing off of each other in this thing. How the hell could you make like a hundred and eighteen others? You know what I mean.
1: Well, having, having seen four others, i, I there's more.
0: I, I I think that's amazing.
1: Yeah, and it's not just like like uh, like kind of uh, uh, arty surrealism, you know, philosophical type stuff. These his his movies and, and this one in particular are very uh, cinephilic like yes. there are there are references to to high culture for sure and uh, I actually I read another thing about this uh by uh, uh Baroness Reina Baroness uh the uh the film critic in in rouge and she has a uh, a reading of the film using uh, lacanian psychology which is something I don't understand and and fled in in terror from graduate school to yeah. avoid um but uh you know that's there but there's also you know, this this kind of deep love of, of movies and, and cinema. And I thought of a lot of different films in watching this and, and specifically Orson Wells.
0: Ah. Those low angled shots. Yeah. Totally. The
1: the low angled shots, the high angled shots, the kind of the the flowing camera and just the the whole idea of the of the story that, that goes on is like the uh the immortal story. Uh is the name of a Wells film. I mean there's elements of the, the lady from Shanghai of Mr. Arcadon, you know, there's, there's a lot of Orson Welles in this movie.
0: Yeah. I, 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 can feel it. Definitely. Um, the, the kind of adventurous, like, um, the shifts in like cinematic technique that are used throughout, like the, um, jump, like the story jumping around chronologically and stuff. But, um, the, the cut like uh using parts in color and some in black and white and just kind of like having kind of you know wells kind of has this uh
1: it's like a cinema's magic show
0: yeah and and kind of just like just like I, I don't want to use the same phrase but like throwing thing, just throwing thing, everything out there you know and just kind of you know just kind of ramshackle kind of, you know, but, but it all works. It's all, it's, it's a kinetic, you know what I mean? There's like an energy to it and a vibrancy to it that you don't get a lot.
1: Yeah. In, in, you know, choosing to make a, a, a surrealist movie about storytelling uh, you, you have to kind of disregard all of the rules of storytelling and that, that creates a, like an incredible kind of freedom for for a film like he can do anything and and he does and i think uh that's you know that's fantastic and then when the when the new york times complains that it doesn't make any sense that seems to be kind of missing the point yeah what's Uh, your
0: favorite shot in this movie
1: my favorite shot is uh is going to surprise you i'm sure uh, it is very early in the film. It is at the the sailor is recounting his going away party, and uh, he's uh, we we see the party, and he's just kind of walking through it. And the way the camera just kind of uh, flows along with him, it's it's not really dancing. It's it's very subtle, but there's just this kind of like uh, uh, kind of hypnotic rhythm to the way it moves around. And it's, it's a short shot. It's maybe like a minute long. You know, it's not an ostentatious tracking shot. But just the feeling of that one shot of this guy walking through this party of, of you know, the last time he's going to see his family and his friends in his hometown, uh, I I thought it was just really beautiful.
0: It's very good. Very good. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there are ones like that There are really flashy ones. You know, there's this uh, shot of... Um, the camera constantly spinning inside the ballroom where they're kind of getting drunk, you know, with the, um, it kind of goes up and looks at the, the mirrored ceiling and just kind of whirls around and stuff like that. So there are flashy shots like that, but then there's Mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's a little more, um, subdued or, or a little less tricky, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: A a shot to to like that to me shows like a, like a true, uh, 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 Masterful director Right Like I think I think that's the mark Of a really great director Like a lot of people Can do like Really flashy Ostentatious shots And I like flashy Ostentatious shots As much as the next guy But But To make something Something so small Be so You know Emotive And so meaningful uh, Takes Takes a A a true genius
0: I think Yes My favorite shot In the movie Is Can uh, Maybe Can you guess You can't guess Probably... Uh,
1: is it is it the worms coming out of him?
0: No, God, that was so disgusting. <laughs> oh my gosh, like that really turned my stomach. Yeah, like, what well, did do,
1: do you have like you you say you have like a coherent theory of the movie? How do, how do you explain the worms?
0: Well, no, like I, well, like I said. <laughs>
1: Is it just that they're all dead? I, I, think, so corpses, I think they're
0: all dead. You know, it's yeah. like maggots eating the dead or whatever. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah the, they,
1: they also have only one orifice because none of the the sailors on the boat uh, uh, defecate. defecate.
0: It's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, that which is also gross. Yes.
1: Um, <laughs> but they eat favorite, all the
0: time. <laughs> yeah, constantly. Uh, my favorite shot in the movie is mm. um, when he goes to see the woman with the dolls, Maria. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he he goes, he picks her out of all of these women. um, And she's, she's coy and she's shy and she's absolutely gorgeous. Oh my God. Right,
1: She's the one that doesn't talk to him. And all she says is that uh, he won't want her.
0: Right. And God, whew. Uh, Anyway, uh, when he picks her, there's this shot of just her and, and it's just a static shot, but um, this light, from mm-hmm. behind the camera, just like raises and just like she, so she kind of comes out of the darkness or whatever. Well, um,
1: but it's like the light radiates from her,
0: right? But I mean, the ca- but the light is sure, sure. shown from behind, uh, and it's just stunning. I mean, just absolutely stunning. It just kind of radiates for a minute and then recedes, and it's just brilliant. I mean,
1: yeah, but
0: both senses of the term. It's just. Great.
1: The walls in the room turn from like a like a, a kind of like brownish yellow to just bright white. Light, white. yeah.
0: Oh, it's so it's like heartbreaking. It's so beautiful. And re- then she. I, what?
1: Uh, no, go ahead.
0: Oh no, I was I was gonna jump to then then we go into her room with all of her creepy ass dolls.
1: <laughs> well, I, I like how that shot ends because she goes back behind this curtain and and he follows her back and you see them in silhouette as as they uh, they embrace and they kiss. Um, and, and, then, a different couple and then a different couple comes in and they come in from exactly where you think that couple should be from where yeah. their shadow is but it turns out they're standing off to the side and the light source that is casting the shadow is off at an angle so it's like a, a little uh, 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 what do you call it
0: I don't know what you're trying to say uh,
1: an, an optical illusion that makes you think that, yeah. that this other couple is passing through them as they go through the curtain but it's just a trick of the light.
0: Yeah, it's 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 good. Yeah, it's good.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: so I'm I'm really excited to I, I do really want to dive in and, and check out more Ruiz's stuff. Um, you know, we were talking about we we were picking out of what three films that were all re- released within like a year of each other. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, we were talking about City of Pirates and uh, On Top of the Whale. Uh, On top of the whale was set in Patagonia, so that might have been a, a better tie-in, perhaps with with haha But uh, I don't know. As I th- I think it worked pretty well. As I kind think of it South worked American pretty well weirdness. too.
0: They're both weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, City of Pirates also sounds sounds really good. And you know, like we said, there's a, there's a ton of other movies, but those were the the three that were were really interesting to us. I think we kind of just chose this one at random. <laughs>
0: I just really like you read the plot synopsis of all three to me. And I I just said, ghost ship, I'm there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So good, 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 good stuff. Highly, highly recommend it. Right on. So we're going to take a little break again. We're going to listen to some weird music. This is just a weird episode. Hey, by the way, I've been watching the Weird Al show. Uh, It's really good.
1: Yeah, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> so here's os Mutantes uh, with another groovy jam off their uh self-titled album.
2: Os,
1: So that is the show for this week. We will be back in two weeks with uh, the clouds of Sils Maria, which is opening in Seattle. It's opening like everywhere else today, but it doesn't open in Seattle till May 1st. And so that's when we're going to talk about it.
0: And we're going to spoil the hell out of it.
1: uh i really don't know that we will uh i've seen it i don't really remember it all that well i watched it like in a rush at the end of like 2014 list making time so i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it again uh and along with that we're going to be watching uh center stage the 1991 92 film uh by stanley kwan which, uh, which stars Maggie Chung, and she plays an actress, like Juliette Binoche plays an actress in Sils Maria, and Maggie Chung was once married to Olivia Seas, who directed Sils Maria, so it all kinds of ties together.
0: It really does. Yeah. It all ties together. Yes.
1: <laughs> it all comes down to Maggie Chung.
0: That's right. Uh, if you are in Santa Monica uh the arrow theater which i've talked about uh many times on the show uh you got a bunch of double features coming up but the one i'm i think looks really really fun at the end of the month uh thursday april 30th starting at seven thirty p.m uh they're doing a double feature 35 millimeter of rear window by alfred hitchcock and night of the hunter from charles lawton and i know sean you're kind of hitchcocked out since there's been hitchcock Playing in Seattle, uh, like the last six weeks or whatever, um, but come on, that's a double feature to end all double features, right there.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of Hitchcock, uh, the uh, the BAM Cinematheque in New York has this uh, a really cool series that just started yesterday. It's called the Vertigo Effect. Have you read about this?
0: I have not read about this. Uh,
1: it is uh, they've uh, they've programmed this whole series of movies that were influenced by Hitchcock's Vertigo. So it's got it's got films that are like explicitly referencing Vertigo, like uh, like uh, Chris Marker's *Sans Soleil*, uh, or uh, Tony Scott's *Déjà Vu*, um, or Mel Brooks's *High Anxiety*. It's also got stuff from like pre-Vertigo that kind of influenced it. So it's it's just an amazing collection of films, and it's just a, a brilliant idea for a series. And coming up tomorrow is Mulholland Drive, which mm. is a really great movie. And then on Monday, there's uh, uh, Preston Sturgis' "Unfaithfully Yours," which I know awesome. is a, a favorite of ours. So, yeah,
0: wow, that's not, so. Are they are they not showing the artist?
1: <laughs> uh, they they are not showing the artist.
0: Well, thank you, BAM Cinematech.
1: Yeah, they did show that's... Basic Instinct, though. So,
0: well, yeah, you know, uh, awesome. that sounds like a really cool series. That does. That uh, sounds really great. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is,
1: it is It is. everything that, that repertory programming should be.
0: It's true. You can find out more about us by visiting our website, thegeorgesandersshow.blogspot.com. We're on Twitter at Geo Sanders show. Uh We also have an email account, show at gmail.com. And we say that we write. Well, you write. I've, I've been slacking off uh, at seattlescreenscene.com. But I promise... I'm going to have something up next week and I'm trying to get back in the rhythm uh, after vacation and crazy work weeks. So uh, yeah. Seattle screen scenes got all the cool stuff. Uh, and it's not just Seattle. I mean, really, we talk oh, about movies. Open just, yeah. Well, no, yeah. I mean like the movies we write, uh, you know,
1: you got to write something off. about your, your Westerns series. You gotta, you gotta have something up for that. It, it's not hard. <laughs> just a, a list of the movies with like, the I movies like that Scarecrow is pairing with. it. <laughs>
0: Don't be silly. <laughs> oh, I am silly. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that's about it. Anything else? Any housekeeping things we need to do? Uh, no.
1: Here's George. No. Yeah, I got. I got nothing.
0: All right. Well, we'll see you next time, May first. Take care.
1: Well, I think May 1st is under-recorded. Who knows when okay, the show will actually on. be on the air. But, yeah, uh, there's that.
0: Who'd have thunk that, you know, an hour and a half ago when we recorded, like, the worst intro to the show ever, <laughs> that we would top it with the worst closing <laughs> of, of all time, of ever.
1: Well, you know. It's late. It's been a long month.
0: Yeah.
2: On that you can rely No matter what the future brings As time goes by Moonlight and love songs Never out of date Hearts full of passion